What comes to mind when you hear the word rivalry, opposition, competition, jealousy? Is it between siblings, sports teams, countries, or even within you? Hi, it's Josh here, one of the pastors at West Valley Christian Church, and we are on a series of teachings we've titled Rivalry, in which we will take a look at some of these found in Scripture and see what we can learn from them for our own lives. All right, I'm going to, I'm going to, it's story time. I'm going to read you a story. It's not a true story, but it'll set the stage for where we want to go here tonight. It is said that a long time ago, there was a conference in hell. And uh, the devil was plotting and scheming on how he might catch the human race and keep them from God. One of his, uh, one of his minions uh, came to the master of evil and said, if you will send me to earth, I will tell the people that there is no heaven to be gained. Well, the devil said, no, no, no. They'll never believe it because there's a little bit of heaven in everybody's hearts. Another one of the, the little minions came forward that was a little darker and fouler than the first. And they said, if you would send me to earth, I will convince the people that they can sin without consequences, that God would continue to love and forgive, that he would never, ever, ever judge anyone, even if they didn't change. I will convince them of that. The father of darkness said, no, these humans must not be underestimated. They have a conscience, and, and deep within their heart of every human is a sense of right and wrong. Beneath all uh, their, uh, their, their understanding, they know that evil will be punished. They know that good will triumph over evil. Well, the third one, from the very darkest pit, emerged into the shadow of the devil and said, Master, if you would send me, I would tell them this. There is no hurry. And Lucifer said, the devil said, go. There is no hurry. Well, I would venture to guess that that is absolutely not true. And this is the foundation of the message for tonight. The reason that we're preaching this series called Rivalry that we introduced last week and that we're going to continue for the next few weeks is because there is an urgency. And if there isn't in you and, and I, then there needs to be an urgency because we don't know when, when this time on earth will end for ourselves or we don't know when Jesus may come back when we're alive. And what's happened is complacency where we've just kind of been lulled to sleep since the, the, the church in Acts, if you read in Acts, the people understood that the day of the Lord was coming soon. They thought like next week he was coming back or within the month he was coming back. And you see the urgency in their lives and you see how the church was, was on fire. And then we fast forward to 2017 and we're just, we're just kind of hanging out. Would you agree with that a little bit? And, and, and so for the foundation of this message, we, we need to understand there is an urgency. And the devil would say, ah, there's no hurry. Well, let's see what God has to say to us tonight. Let's pray. Father, thank you for, um, thank you for stepping in and uh, sending your son, Jesus Christ, so we could sit here tonight and have hope in the midst of good stuff, bad stuff, 
and ugly stuff that may be going on in our lives. God, thank you that we could come here and look into your word and draw from it a direction in which we ought to live our lives. Thank you that you left us with your word and the Holy Spirit to guide us. And we're praying that both the word and Holy Spirit would continue to guide us here tonight. Help us to listen and to listen well. Lord, not my words, but your words be shared. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, amen. Amen. So we're gonna jump right into our text tonight. It's the book of Daniel. So raise your hand if you don't have a Bible. We 100% believe that this is God's word. And if I put this above my head, that even shows what we believe even more, that we are under the authority of God's word. Amen? So we're going to look to God's word here tonight and hopefully draw encouragement and strength. So we're going to go to Daniel uh, chapter 3, and we're going we're gonna to hang out there uh, for the rest of the night. Daniel chapter 3. Right up the, the gate in verse 1, it says, King Nebuchadnezzar. Now, I don't know about you, but I've had to work on that name throughout my lifetime, okay? It doesn't, you know me, I I mess up the English language all the time here, and especially with a name like that, but I think I've got it dialed in about 30 years later, Nebuchadnezzar. So let's let's all just say that, because I know you're dying to say it in there, and say it loud enough so that your neighbor can hear you ruin it, okay? And we'll get, we'll we'll just have a reward for the, the one that botched it the best. No. Ready? One, two, three. Nebuchadnezzar. Let's say it again. Ready? One, two, three. Nebuchadnezzar. So here it is. Now, here's here's what I want to do for the rest of the sermon. We're going to shorten his name. We're just going to call him King Nebi. Okay? He's Nebi to us. All right? So from here on out, it's King Nebi. So King Nebi made an image of what? Made an image of gold. 60, my my Bible says 60 cubits high. Yours probably says 90 feet high. and, And six cubits wide which is nine feet wide, and set it up in the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. So, so if you're taking notes, write this down. Number one, rivalry. And that's what we've been talking about, rivalry. And so right here, um, we're, we were introduced, if we're in a boxing ring, and I know my, my friend right up here, Jimmy, he knows about boxing, okay? Jimmy's got a history of boxing, but we got a boxing ring up here. We would say, in this corner, we got King Nebby, right? Okay, so we're introduced to this rivalry here. And, and we know rivalries, right? I mean, when I was introduced to basketball and I kind of got into it, in the early, early 80s, I, I was introduced to the Lakers, and I was a Laker fan. And at that point in history, the Lakers, their rivalry was, does anyone know? Okay, good, the Celtics. I, I knew the morning service would get this, a little older, and uh, so, but I'm proud of you guys are representing here the Celtics. So for me, it was magic versus bird, right? And, and then it's changed. Uh, I, I, there might even be a game on here tonight. Basketball's a little di- di- different. It's not so much the Lakers and the Celtics now. It's the Cleveland Cavaliers and the, the Warriors, right? And if you want to get more specific, it's Stephon Curry versus LeBron James, right? Ding, ding, ding. That's the rivalry. We have all sorts of different rivals. I grew up as a Dodger fan. I don't know if you knew that, okay? I still love them. Ron Sane, Steve Garvey, and Bill Russell and all that. But back in the day, their rival was the Reds. And, and most people in the morning when they were walking, that's not, no. yes, it was the Reds, the big red machine with Ken Griffey uh, Sr. And, and Johnny Bench and Pete Rose. And it was always the Dodgers and the Reds. Now we know it's the Dodgers and the, yeah, you guys say it. 
giants. Yeah, yeah. But rivalries, here's the deal. With what we're talking about here tonight, the core, the core of the rivalry is always going to be the same. It's what we introduced last week and we learned about it. That's where it came from, Genesis chapter 3 and Genesis chapter 4. It's good versus, it's good versus, good versus evil. And then we saw some faces last week. It was Adam and Eve, and then we saw the serpent. But this week, the, the, again, the core of it's always, for the next few weeks, is always going to be good and evil, but the faces are going to change. And here we've got King Nebuchadnezzar. Well, <laughs> he builds, he, he, he has this, uh, this image, this statue, 90 feet tall and nine feet wide. We don't know what this is. I, I read all sorts of things this week. There's all sorts of thoughts out there. Uh, two of them that kind of make sense to me is one, he could have had this uh, made in the image of himself, Right? This could be a, a statue in the image of itself, 95, 90 feet tall and, and nine feet wide. Another idea is, is and I'm going to kind of taint this a little bit because I still didn't tell you if Nebby's the good guy or the bad guy, did I? Come on, church. I didn't, I didn't tell you. But let's just say maybe he didn't worship the God that we worship, and maybe he encouraged kind of worshiping of many gods, pagan gods. I'm just saying maybe. So maybe the statue is an image of one of those. We don't know. We know it's uh, made of some gold there. And so how many of you would like to cash in that statue? 90 feet of gold, 9 feet wide. Okay, that wouldn't be a, a bad thing. So here is the stage. We understand it being set here. Then verse 2, it says, He then summoned the satraps, the prefects, the governors, the advisors, the treasurers, the judges, the magistrates. I mean, it just keeps going and going and going. He gets the big, the big boys in town, right? And, and they all come to dedicate this image that he, who's he? King Nebi, that he had set up, all right? And then it goes on and it says, here's all these guys again. And, 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 and then they, they stood before it. And in verse four, the herald loudly proclaimed, nations and people of every language, this is what you are commanded to do. As soon as you hear <clears throat> the sound of the horn, the flute, the zither, the lyre, the harp, the pipe, and all kinds of music, you must fall down and worship the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. And whoever does not fall down on the, and worship, the image will immediately be thrown into the blazing fire. And so here we see this image was, was built for a purpose, and now we see that the proclamation has been made that you are, when you see this, when you hear the band playing, okay, we don't know if it was the eagles, earth, wind, and fire. We don't know what the, the choice of the day was, but we see all the instruments. Lawrence Welk, some of you have to Google that, fact, right? But whatever it is, when that music starts playing, what are you supposed to do, church? Come on, what are you supposed to do? You're supposed to bow down. You're supposed to throw your face down on the ground. And not only are you supposed to bow down, but what does the Bible say? You're to worship him or worship the statue, I should say, the image. And, and so here's the deal. Let, let me break down uh, everything that's shared in three simple words, or a few simple words, bow down, worship, or burn. Right? Bow down, worship, or burn. Now my question to you is, is Nebi right? Sorry, King Nebi. Is he right in making this the law? 
Is he right in coming to those people and saying, hey, this is what you need to do? That's a question that you need to ask. Is it right or is it wrong? It's what we talked about last week. It's the little angel on one shoulder and the red devil with the pitchfork on the other, right? Right and wrong. Which one is it? And again, that's a question that as you fast forward to 2017, we have to answer the same question. Now, for you and I, let's just be honest. I don't know of any nine foot, 90 foot, nine foot wide statues that anyone's asking me to bow down to. Is that happening in your life? Closest thing would be the little Buddha one in the place where you get your nails done, right? Again, I, I just heard about it my wife. I, I, I didn't go in, right? But I, and we can laugh at that, but, but seriously, I mean, we sit here and we, dis, we disconnect from this passage. We, we disassociate with it because it's like, oh, yeah, I mean, 90 feet and it's an image. And, and, and I, I don't get This has more to do with your life than you realize. Because can't that be replaced by a car? Oh, don't get in my stuff, Pastor. But can it? I mean, can't we get into the place of our life where we begin to worship a car? Okay, that's not your world. How about um, a relationship? My wife struggles with worshiping me. I'm confessing um, her sin. Just kidding, in case you didn't know. That's not an issue for her, trust me. But all joking aside, how many people do you know that literally their spouse became their God? And we can laugh and joke, but that, I mean, that's, that's easy. How many of us could worship loneliness? How many of us could worship success? How many of us could worship failure? How many of us could worship the dollar? How many of us, oh... How many of us worship our children? See, we, 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 we don't identify with this 90 foot, right? Nine foot wide, right? But maybe our God is 6'1". Maybe our God's 5'7". Maybe our God's shiny and red. Maybe our God has dollar signs. And so now we're here in 2017, and the same question is, are you bowing down to that or are you bowing down to God? Amen? Fair question. It got quiet in here. But here's what's happening. The stage is being set, and then we get to um, verse, oh, let's go to verse 7. As soon as they heard the sound of the horn, the flute, the zither, the lyre, the harp, and all kinds of music, all the nations and people of every language fell down and worshiped the image of gold that King Nebi had set up. So the music played, and the people, they bowed, and they worshiped. You know what this tells me? This is kind of bonus side, side kind of uh, thought. But leadership is influence, isn't it? You know, I, I teach our, our staff that all the time. I, I tell people all, this all the time. You could have a title outside your door. You could have a title on your, um, on, your, on your shirt. You could have a title on your card. That means nothing. It's the person that leads and they look behind them and people are following them. That's the leader. 
Leadership is influence. And obviously, King Nebi had some influence because what he said, and when the band started to play, it says everybody began to fall and worship. Verse 8, at this time, some astrologers came uh, forward and denounced the who? Denounced the Jews. They said to King Nebi, may the king live forever. Now, now here's the deal, my friends. This is classic kiss. Let me say it a different way. This is classic hand the shiny apple to the teacher. You know what I'm talking about, right? This is kissing up right here. May the king live forever. Your majesty has issued a decree that anyone who hears the sound of the horn, the flute, the zip, the lyre, uh, the harp, the pipe, and all kinds of music must fall down and worship the image of gold. Do you remember that? You remember that king? And that whoever does not fall down and worship will be thrown in the blazing furnace. Remember, 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 remember? But here's the classic four-year-old. Here's the classic five-year-old. I, I, I see uh, we've got uh, Mrs. Pam Banker here tonight. You work with four and five-year-olds forever. This is the tattletale. This is the, Mrs. Banker, she moved the, well, okay, let's not make the girl the bad. He moved the, the Play-Doh that you said not to. I mean, here it is. But there are some Jews whom you have set over the affairs of the providence of Babylon. And let me just tell you their names. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Oh, you didn't hear me? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Yeah, they're the ones who pay no attention to you, your majesty, as they shine their little halos. Don't those kids bug you? And then they grow up to be adults and they tick you off. They neither serve your gods nor worship the image of gold you have set up. So here, here we're back to the ring. And in this corner, King Nebi. And in this corner, the Jews. Not just the Jews, but Shadrach, Meshach, and... Come on, you want to say all those names. You ready? Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego. Let's do it again. Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego. You guys are so good. You're in the office tomorrow. What would you do this weekend? Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego. <laughs> Nebuchadnezzar. In this corner, Nebuchadnezzar. King Nebuchadnezzar. In this corner, Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego. And then you hear the bell go, ding. It's game on. It's game on. Who's good? And he, who's evil. So Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego, they're confronted with this. Am I going to bow to this false image? Uh, perhaps the false god, the false king, whatever it is, it is wrong. Are we going to do this? And, 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 and maybe they huddle up and they're like, okay, uh, you know, maybe we can fake it. You know, the man, band starts playing. We'll get down on our knees. We'll bow down. But in our hearts, we'll say, God, you know, we're just kidding. You know, God, we really believe in you, but we just want to do this to save our butts from the fire, Right? I don't know. No, I don't think that. I think, I, think, I think they all knew what was going on because I think as good Jews, they understood Exodus chapter 20. Turn to Exodus chapter 20. You got Genesis is the first book of the Bible, and then you got Exodus. And you got Exodus chapter 20 in verse 1, and it says, God spoke all these words. And he says, in verse 2, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt and out of the land of slavery. In verse 3, you shall have no other gods before me. What's he say here? You shall have no other gods before me. 
And some of you go, well, I'm not so sure that that's what King's asking for. Well, if you don't think that's good enough, check out verse 4. You shall make for yourself, you shall not make for yourself an image. Do you see that? You shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the, in the waters below. You shall not, what? You shall not bow down to them or worship them. Okay, here it is. Here it is, the test. What's right and what's wrong? What, what should Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego do? What, what, the angel or, or the devil, good or evil, right or wrong? What is the answer? I think for them it was really easy. No image. Well, here's this image. It's not of God. Bow down. Worship. Don't bow down and don't worship. And they're like, what is king, what's the king's command? What is he saying that they need to do? They need to bow down and they need to worship. So I think it was a no-brainer for them. Is it a no-brainer for you today? Is it a no-brainer for me today? You know, one of the, you know, we hear horrific stories all the time, but I, I believe it was a few weeks ago that you heard the story in Egypt. There's a busload uh, of Christians. I don't know what they would call a pilgrimage. And uh, they got stopped in a militant ISIS group of, I, I don't I think it was eight of them, maybe 10. And they go on the bus and they have these um, bus passengers all exit one by one and they would ask them, do you, do you believe in God? Do you, I, I, don't, I didn't see this said, do you believe in Jesus Christ in any of the articles, but I'm, I'm guessing that, that, that those things were insinuated there. And their last words were yes, and then they were killed. I, I, think, I think it was 10 of them. You, you know what Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego were facing? They were facing death if they didn't bow down. Do you catch that? They were facing death if they chose not to bow down. You, you get that, right? You, you don't get thrown into a fiery furnace and, and walk out. Okay, this is what was going to happen. And so they had to make this decision on the spot. You and I have to make decisions every day, don't we? And, 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 and I know that was an extreme example of what happened in Egypt, and then I could go into Col- Columbine, which happened in 1999, I believe, and, and you remember the, the two young teenagers went to the high school in Littleton, Colorado and, and shot up uh, uh, just many, many kids. I, I think there's 20 that were injured and, and maybe eight or 10 died, and, and I might be off on that, those numbers, and I apologize for that. But there was two, two girls. Do you remember the name Rachel Scott? And then Cassie, was it Cassie Bernal or Bernal? And it was told of them, the story later came that, that they were asked before they, they were shot, you, do you believe in God? And in different circumstances, they, they said yes and were shot. And, 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 and I think even a movie was made with Rachel Scott, and, 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 and they're seen as, as martyrs for the faith. Here's the reality. I live in America. You live in America. We don't have it all that bad as Christians. You, you, you understand that, right? Now, we would like to think differently. 
We would go, you know, oh, man, my pastor, he went up on the stage before Easter or before Christmas and sent and one, and we're supposed to invite people to church. And so I went to work, and I was so nervous, and I was scared. And and in the workroom, you know, people were eating lunch, and I pulled off one of my friends. I said, hey, man, I'd love to invite you to come to our Easter. And I was shaking, and I did that. And, And she just looked at me and said, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Are you one of those? You're a Christian? You don't really believe in that, right? And then she walked over to the other group and said, guess what so-and-so just did? They just invited me to church, and they laughed a little bit, and, and, and I felt like I was excluded from here on out, and, and no one loves me, and it's so hard. And, and I, I, I want to make light of that because the truth is this. That doesn't compare to what most of our world is going through as Christians. Would we agree to that, my friends? And and I I make fun of that, but I understand it's risky and it's hard, but really, to be rejected is nothing. Right? So what does this have everything to do with, I believe it has everything to do with us today because, again, Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego, they had to make a decision. What were they going to do? Were they going to bow down to this false god or were they going to say, you're full of it, king? Well, let's continue uh, reading on. Verse 13, furious with rage, King Nebi summoned Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So these men were brought before the king, and Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods? Little g, right? Or worship the image of gold I have set up? Now, when you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the zither, and the lyre, the harp, the pipe, and all kinds of music, if you are ready to fall down and worship, if you are ready to fall down and worship the image I made, very good. Basically, he's saying, I'm giving you another chance. If you were a little hard of hearing, if you didn't quite get it the first time, I'm going to give you another chance. But if you do not worship it, you will be thrown immediately. I'm not joking around. I'm ticked. You have really gotten under my skin. You are going right into that blazing furnace. So then what God will you be then what God will be able to rescue you from my hand? It's a good question, right? Well, verse 16. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, The God we serve is able to deliver us from it. And he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. And then probably one of the craziest phrases in all of scripture. Verse 18. But even if he does not, we want you to know your majesty. Sarcasm. There's a couple uh, here this morning that have been attending our church for a, a little bit, uh, around two months, and, 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 and beforehand, they, they kind of made a sarcastic remark, oh, pastor, we're so sorry, we didn't mean that. I said, no, sarcasm is a spiritual gift at our church. And, um, <laughs> and here it is right there in Scripture, because you know they are being so sarcastic. But even if it does not, even if he does not, we want you to know your majesty that we will not serve your little g-gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. Church, isn't that awesome? Now, here's, here's what's crazy to me. What they're saying is, we're not bowing down to that false stuff. We're not gonna worship any of that garbage. 
our God is able to save. You saw that, right? Our God is able to save. But you know what's amazing? It says in verse 17, and he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. It's not saying he will deliver us from the fire, right? It's not saying, you know what, God, you know, our God is able to save, and, and man, he's not going to put us in that fire. He, he, he's got our backs. No, he's saying, well, he's going to deliver us from your hand. And then he says, but even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. So I just love this. They are so leaning into God that they understand that God is God and King Nebuchadnezzar is not. And this is going to lead us to the second point in the sermon. It's not the, the rivalries first. The second point is the results. Last week, we looked at the results. We saw the rivalry, Adam and Eve versus the serpent. But we saw that Adam and Eve chose wrong, didn't they? And then the results we saw were things like they hid from God. They had shame. We, we saw that they blamed, right? Uh, uh, you know, the serpent, they blamed, uh, Adam blamed his wife, you know, we saw all sorts of negative things. We saw anger, we saw lying. But this week, we're going to see Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego, they chose what is right. And we're going to see that the results are, number one, if you're taking notes, write this down, conviction. And they chose what was right because they had a firm conviction before they ever faced the question. And I think this is key, and I could be absolutely wrong on this, and, and you can press, press back on me on that, but, but I believe that, that they were convinced that God is God long before King Nebuchadnezzar ever challenged them. Would you agree with that? Because I don't think you make that decision in that moment and go, mm, I don't know if what God has said is really true. I'm not so sure he's the only one. Maybe there are a bunch of different gods out there, yada, 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 right? Sorry for that Seinfeld comment there. I think long before they had a conviction that God is God. Yahweh is true. I, you know I worked with college ministry forever here, and purity was a, a big conversation for 18 to 24-year-olds. I don't know why. But especially uh, we would talk through that, and, 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 the, and the, the statement I used to make, and I understand this is old school, but it, the, the truth and the principle is true. You don't, you don't make a decision for purity in the back seat of a car with your girlfriend or, guy, or, or boyfriend. You don't make that decision right there. You've gone way too far. Are you with me, church? You make a decision for purity long before that, and you don't end up in the back seat of the car. And I think a lot of times, for a lot of different issues, that's just one, for a lot of different issues for us, we need to have the conviction today before we're in the fire tomorrow. And so right here, right now, some of you, before you ever get out of that purple chair, need to, to sit and, and work through the sermon, work through communion time and say, you know what, God, I've kind of been wishy-washy. You know, you are Lord when I sit in these purple chairs on Sundays, but when I go out there to the work field or I go out there to school, <laughs> you're just kind of back here. I'm kind of like a chameleon, Right? I want to say that Jesus is Lord, whether you're in the purple chair or driving your car on the freeway on the 405 at 5 o'clock on a Tuesday afternoon. Or if you're at the gym, or if you're sitting in the classroom, or if you're dating, or if you're single, or if you're parenting, or whatever it is, we need to have conviction right here, right now. 
And, and this is what is so beautiful about Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego that I can learn from. And you know, part of that conviction was that I, I just draw strength from is they humbly did what was right. They didn't post a bunch of negative things on Facebook about King Nebi. I know, I know the pushback's gonna be they didn't have Facebook back then. But you know what I'm saying, right? I, I believe, you read this through, and I've read it through many, many times, they just humbly did what was right. And they didn't need to make a huge big scene. We're gonna find out that it's King Nebuchadnezzar that made the big scene. They just did what was right in the eyes of God. Christians, I think that's a beautiful thing for us to learn. You know, God's not calling us to do what's right and then announce to the world how wonderful we are and how wrong everybody else is. We're just to do what is right. And that speaks for itself in so many ways. The other thing I would ask is this on convictions is do you have convictions? And, and, and if so, where are those convictions coming from? You know, why do you believe what you believe? You know, maybe it's teachers, maybe it's parents, maybe it's coaches, maybe it's influence. That's, you know, I'm not saying those things are bad. They could be wonderful things. But really where our convictions really need to come from is from the Lord because we know that is right, what's right. And, and our convictions come from his word. Psalms chapter 1, Psalms chapter 119 both talk about, you know, how does a young man keep his way pure? How does a person know what is right and what is wrong? Well, the Bible says that this word is a lamp into our feet, right? A light into our path. This is going to guide us and direct us in the right ways. This will help us learn, is it the angel speaking or is it the devil speaking? Is it good or is it evil? Is it right or is it wrong? Are you with me on that? And I think more than ever, we really need to get ourselves into the word and understand what is right and wrong, draw our convictions from God's word, and humbly walk in that truth. Well, the story doesn't end there. As you're going to see, um, <laughs> the king was a little upset. And then in verse 19, it says, Then King Nebuchadnezzar was furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and, and, and his attitude towards them changed. He ordered the furnace heated up seven times more than usual and commanded some of the strongest soldiers, soldiers in his army to tie up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the blazing furnace. So these mean, men wearing robes, trousers, turbans, and clothes were bound and thrown into the blazing furnace. The king command was so urgent and the furnace so hot that the flames of the fire killed the soldiers and took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And those three men firmly tied fell into the blazing furnace. You see this picture? How hot's the furnace? It's hot. It's hot. King Nebuchadnezzar was furious. He was livid. He had, he had these three Jews bound and thrown into this fire. It was so hot that it, it burned up those men that brought them to the furnace. Verse 24, then King Nebuchadnezzar leaped to his feet in amazement and asked his advisors, weren't there three men that we tied up and threw in the fire? They replied, certainly, your majesty. He said, look, look. I see one, two, three, four. You catch that, church? I, I, I see four men walking around the fire, unbound and unharmed, and the fourth looks like the Son of God. And, 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 and maybe you're Meshach, and you get thrown in there. In midair, you're going, oh, gosh, I'm done. I'm done. I'm really done. And then you hit, and then you land, and you're like, 
What? You see the flames? You know that those guys are all cinched and dead now, and you're like in the fire, and you're alive, and you're thinking. And not only is that, then you're like, oh my gosh, all three of us are in here. Oh, wait a second, there's four of us. And you like, Nabby, are like, wait a second, I don't get all this. But after a while of all the confusion and sitting there, you're like, this is cool. Talk about being fired up. These guys were fired up. They're walking in fire. I mean, Peter walked on water. These guys are dancing in fire. That is pretty awesome. Why? Because they had conviction. And, and, and if you're taking notes, look what else happens. The result. He's amazed. Who's amazed? King Nebuchadnezzar. This is the year of being amazed, church. It happened not just in the New Testament. God amazed people in the Old Testament. And why was the king amazed? Because this would have never happened if those three men didn't have conviction. And they stood by what they believed. And God chose an option that I don't think was even in their hearts and minds. They thought either God was not going to put them in the fire, or number two, they were going to be thrown in the fire, and the next time they woke up was in heaven. They never thought that they would be thrown in the fire and dancing in the fire. This amazed them, and it amazed the king. But actually, the number two point that I didn't tell you is this. God never leaves you. God never leaves you. I don't know what good, bad, or ugly you're going through right now, but please hear me. God is with you whether you feel him or not. And that's so invaluable for us today. The key is conviction, understanding that God never leaves you. And then in that, God amazes us. God amazes us. The fourth thing that happens, the fourth result is this. They get a front row seat, <laughs> right? You and I have read Genesis through Revelations, or we've read parts of it, and we see what Moses has done, and we see what Rahab the prostitute has done. We see the, the woman caught in adultery and what God did in her life and how he changed her. We read about Peter. We read about Matthew. We read about Jonah. We hear all these great stories, and we're like, oh, yeah, God. But you know what I want to tell you? Those stories are not just for people in the Bible. They're for you and I today. And what we need to do is walk in conviction with the Lord, realizing he's never going to leave us, and you will be amazed at what God is going to do in and through you. And, and you get a front row seat. We want front row seats to the ball game. We want front row seats to concerts. In church, we stay back and towards the back. But, but here's the deal. I want a front row seat. I want to be a part of what God is doing. How about you? And he's not going to do it through disobedience and wrong choices. He's going to be doing it through obedience, choosing what is right, leaning into him because of our convictions. And last but not least, you know what's amazing about this story? And you're going to have to read the rest of it here tonight. But read the rest of this story. You're going to see that King Nebuchadnezzar goes from what I'm going to call an atheist to an evangelist because he says, you guys, <laughs> woo. I know how hot that fire was. You guys danced in that fire. You got out of that fire. You guys know who's God, and I don't. And as a matter of fact, everybody that I just told bow and worship to this, this image, 
I was wrong because who you need to be bowing and worshiping is the God of Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego. And if you don't worship the God of Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego, I'm going to cut you into pieces and you're going to be thrown in the fire. Talk about bipolar. Right? I mean, he's just boom, boom. But that's what God does to us, doesn't he? He turns our lives inside out and upside down, and he turns us around because once we get that front row seat, once we see that he never leaves us, once, once we're amazed by him, it changes our life. And I'm going to ask the band to come up as I close with this last thought. Here's what I want you to remember in this message. Always remember to have convictions. Always remember to stick to your convictions. Always remember, God will help. He's not going to leave you. Always remember, God will bless. Might not bless you in the way that you think, but he's going to bless. In this case, he took him out of the fire. And lastly, but certainly not least, always remember, your life makes a difference. Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego, just three good old boys, because they stick to their convictions, changed changed the thoughts and the minds of King Nebuchadnezzar. You sticking to your convictions can make an internal uh, difference in someone's life. Father, thank you. Thank you so much for just this message of hope. Thank you for Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego and the things that we can learn from them. Thank you, God, for all that you're doing in my life, in our lives, and what you want to do. Help us to lean into you. Help us not to compromise. Help us to practice your presence and just watch and be amazed by what it is you want to do in and through us. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. You are king. We see you in the morning when the sun rises above. Thanks for listening. If you found this message helpful, why not share it with a friend or a family member? West Valley Christian Church is a community of faith, love, and hope. We would love for you to visit us at one of our four worship experiences. For more information, please visit us at wvcch.org. Sunrises before us and want to sing your praises, want to sing your praises.